Hi, I am Andrea, and this is Empowered by Darkness, a podcast for anyone seeking to dive deep into all parts of themselves, especially the darker ones, to become empowered by the integration of these into uncovering your unique expression and purpose. Here we shed light on the self-hatred, the resentment, the need for validation and saving, the fear of being loved, the illusion of power and damaging patterns, and many more topics that will challenge you to bloom wherever you are currently planted. Welcome to your life's work. Take a seat and let's get started. Maybe right now your journey is not about love. Maybe right now your journey is about you. Maybe this is a season you are being challenged to be your own savior, to be your own safe place. Maybe right now you are being reminded that the people who walked away were only ever leading you back to yourself, were only ever leading you here. And here, you are okay on your own. Here, you are rebuilding. Here, you are adapting and mending and reclaiming all of the pieces you let them walk away with. Here, you are being kinder to your soul. You are giving yourself the same kind of love you have always given to others. Here, you are not rushing your heart. You are not depending on another human being to fix it. Instead, here, you are doing that on your own. Here you are healing. Bianca Sparacino. Welcome back to the Empowered by Darkness podcast. I am your host, Andrea. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about love as our introductory quote gave us a hint of that. This was a quote by author Bianca Sparacino. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. She has a lot of content similar to the one that I just read, and I really encourage you to check it out. She has a big following, and you know her story is really one that's remarkable, and I've always been called to the way that she words things, because she has a, a way with words in which she can summarize very complex feelings like love. And today's introductory quote is actually talking about love, but in the sense of the person that is doing the loving, you know, who is behind the relationship when that relationship ceases to exist. And the reason I chose this quote is because I would have read this quote a couple of years back when I first started my journey of introspection and and choosing to heal and I would have resonated with this because it very much speaks to the power that you can find when you are away from a relationship and I started to feel after a while of being on this journey alone that I really did not need love because I had found this sense of empowerment and having walked away from situations that never served me 
people that took more than they gave, um, as Bianca very intelligently words, you know, you're walking away from people that, you know, you they never gave you the love that you gave to them. So I, I was very much in this independent mentality and reading a quote like this one would have gone right up my alley in, in that mindset that I was carrying. But before recording this episode, I always knew that I had to find a balance within myself of the way that I viewed romantic love. Today's episode is titled, Why Being Single is Important. And I didn't just want to come on here and give you a one-sided view of the, the importance of being single and saying that, yes, I encourage you to be single because it's an opportunity for growth. Well, I do encourage that for that reason. Being single is also a time to really assess the way that you view romantic love and this balance that I'm talking about came from this point of, of yes, as Bianca states in our, in our quote, a connection with yourself is really important. But what we don't hear as often is that through establishing this relationship, we discover a newfound respect for love. We see its sacredness, the meaningfulness of love shared with another but also the importance of the person that we share it with. In developing trust with ourselves, we realize and take accountability for the times we were not there for our moments of vulnerability, and therefore we now have the ability to hold the same space we discovered for our pain, for somebody else's pain for the hurt that our future lover will hold deep in their heart. And what a privilege it is to be capable of existing in their life as they themselves acknowledge how to take better care of them and of us. So I wanted to begin this episode really making that clear because this isn't going to be an episode that encourages you to only focus on yourself during a period of singlehood and and become kind of hyper-independent and lose touch with the magic of love, because love is magical. And I think when you come from a place of hurt, like the one that I was in when I first began healing and and looking at connections in the past that were not serving me, I think it's very natural to arrive at a stance in which you view love as something that is dangerous, as something that you prefer to stay away from, and and you come to see how empowering and, and really the, the confidence that healing can give you, and you start distancing yourself more from this idea of loving another. But I think it came to a point for me where I had developed a level of self-trust through healing that allowed me to open my heart back up to the idea of love with another person because I had established a foundation within me of trust. And I'm going to be talking about that later on in this episode. How do we do that? How do we establish that? But to start us off, I really wanted to make one thing very clear to all. 
And it is that it's so normal to want love, to want connection, and to want intimacy. People are these fascinating containers for parts of ourselves that yearn to be seen, to be held, to be cherished, and to be respected and admired. A person really holds the power to have us see our circumstances differently by opening our world to a new perspective, a different way of living and experiencing things that we would otherwise deem mundane. And the closeness of this person colors our reality with newness and expectation. And if our current reality has lacked these things, it can be very appealing to see romantic love as the missing piece, the needed element of vibrancy. Letting someone into our lives can also be an all-consuming event. It can come to occupy our daily thoughts, it can seep into our usual conversations, and it can distract us from little things that used to bother us in our professional or our personal life. You could think of it this way. See, your life path has essentially just intersected with someone else's, when just a few days ago, you walked separately, unaware of each other's presence. But now, the steps you take intersect daily, and their world is slowly or rapidly meshing with your own, and there are going to be growing pains and moments of being on an emotional high, and how the two of you are now building this complex, exciting, new timeline with the pieces you're willing to bring to the table in this new relationship. And finally, when one of the intents behind joining your experience to that of another human being is meeting them emotionally, there is bound to be a kind of connectedness that most human beings crave. You open up to them about something that matters to you, and they are beautifully receptive. They hold space, and they take on just the right amount of pain from your story to remind you that being vulnerable will always be the right choice with them, that you will not be judged, only held. And these interactions in love, they exist for those of you listening and thinking that they are idealistic notions of love. I wanted to mention that at the end of this statement, really, that wanting love is normal, because at the very core of our being, I think, a lot of us desire to be held and understood in our moments of sharing vulnerable points of our lives, vulnerable emotions that we are still grappling with. So one thing that I wanted to point out in this episode is that in order to really take advantage of a time of being single, you have to do one very important thing. And that is taking a magnifying glass to your current experience of love and your perception of it. I just spoke about interactions of deep emotional intimacy and love 
and perhaps you were listening and you thought, well, those don't really exist. Those only occur in, in movies or in fairy tales or just in books. But really question that thought. Where is that coming from? Why was that the first thing that came to mind? And that thought makes up your perception of love. So in a past episode, I have already covered looking at our perception of the opposite gender. I will go ahead and include that um, episode in the show notes for this one. But I talked about like how we have to assess when we are single our view of men, if we are women listening. And if we are men listening, we have to assess our view of women and assumptions we might have formed of the opposite gender through our experience of love. But for today, we're going to be focusing on two things. Our current experience of love, where we are right now, and our perception of it. And viewing ourselves in this intent way is very uncomfortable. The first time that I did this, I was in a relationship with someone that I was not honest with about who I was and the things that mattered to me. Partly because I didn't exactly know what this would be. I didn't know who I was, really, or the things that I cherished. But mostly at the time I was like this, because my perception of love was a negative one. I thought that love was always bound to end in heartbreak, in one person giving more than the other, and the person that gave more losing themselves to someone that would take a lot from them. Therefore, I imagined that the only way to guard myself was staying at arm's length emotionally. So I protected myself by not letting the other person know what I really thought and felt. So then you might be asking, why was I still in this connection? If I guarded so much of who I was, you might be thinking, what was I even getting out of this? And the answer to this is actually a third dimension to the observation you make with that magnifying glass. And I want to ask you the same question if you find yourself in a relationship now or wanting a relationship. What is pulling you to stay in a connection that is not fulfilling you? Or what is pulling you to get into one that you know is not really going to fulfill you? For me, it was a combination of trying to escape the uneasiness that I felt being alone with memories that began to surface surrounding my dad's abuse. And another part of, of this pool to be in this relationship was desiring a person to provide me with validation at a time in which my self-esteem was the lowest it had ever been. So I felt like I had control over my life when someone considered me desirable and worthy of spending time with. And through time, I've gotten more comfortable sharing these more vulnerable bits of my past way of showing up in connections. Because I have really witnessed how I am far from being the only one. Sadly, most of us listening at some point have or continue 
to engage in connections from a place of pain. Whether we would classify it as that or not, because maybe that pain is wrapped up in anger or disillusionment or fear of the future or insecurity. But more often than not, at the core, there is pain. And I challenge you to ask the question, why am I seeking this person? Why am I holding on to this person as if letting them go would cost me an irreparable harm? And equally as important is questioning our general perception of love. Do you, like me, view love as something that is bound to end? What in your mind does the experience of love take from the person choosing to engage in it, if anything? Is there an unspoken agreement in love? What do you think it is? It's no surprise that our perception is informed by our experience. Naturally, it's going to flow this way when you choose to look at your view of love. You will trace it back to where it was formed. And perhaps it was formed in viewing your parents' experience of love. Or maybe it came from a past failed marriage or relationship or from a friend's continuous complaints of relationships. Look patiently. Open your mind to exploring where your body first reacted to an image of two people that were supposed to share their lives respectfully and lovingly, but they instead brought out continuous darkness in each other. Darkness that they could not meet with more than reactivity, not because they were flawed, but because they simply did not know better at that specific time. And think back, pause, reflect, and challenge yourself to find a different perspective that has the potential to produce a different image from the one you grew up anticipating and prematurely regretting. It's hard to take a magnifying glass to our experience and perception of love when we are living in a face of it that we've created through our wounds and our partner has met through their own wounds. It's not impossible to look at these patterns when you are in a relationship still, but it is more challenging. Because if you remember the start of this podcast episode, we talked about the powerful effect of connection with another person. That connection is a kind of container that sometimes shields us from viewing its contents in an objective way. We can get comfortable in the container, or the extreme opposite. We can be fearful all the time, anticipating an outburst from our partner if you find that your partner is abusive. And these emotions, they either downplay the need to look at our motivations behind love, or they highlight them so strongly that we torment ourselves with guilt and self-loathing at being unable to escape an abusive situation. This is why a period of singlehood should never be underestimated or deemed lesser than a period of togetherness. 
because you may never know what someone is finally getting the opportunity to address in their season of being alone. You may never know the baggage that they are setting down to look at and choose what they want to finally let go of when walking into the next steps in their life. And when you are alone, you are simply being given an opportunity to purify your intentions for love from everything that was never loved to begin with. Let me say that again, because that's a very important point. When you are alone, when you are single, you are being given an opportunity to purify your intentions for love from everything that was never love to begin with. And still, so many are resistant to loneliness because of the things I've already mentioned, the motivations that guide you, but also because you have to give loneliness time, especially when coming from a period of being constantly in connections. It won't magically happen that you view the value of singlehood when you've been conditioned to see relationships as containers that bring everything that counters feeling into the uncomfortable emotions. As Bianca Sparacino's quote said at the beginning of today's episode, maybe right now the journey is not about love, maybe it's about you. And relationships, they bring about this series of lessons and growing pains and epiphanies, and they develop yourself. But so does being single. In fact, it is when you are single that you are preparing the person that will be the other half to a relationship's way of facing challenges that are assured to come your way. And nowadays, I see a lot of individuals that were so quick to bypass their loneliness that they also skipped past the character building moments that this time was there to give them and that this time was there to birth for their future presence in romantic union with someone else. And while this may sound as if singlehood is like a preparation stage for, for being in connection, it really is much deeper and much more spiritual than, than this. It's not so linear. Singlehood is actually a time when we can shed the layers of our person that were never ours to begin with. So the trauma responses that we might have inherited, the fear of abandonment, the crippling insecurity, the belief that we can only have what we grew up seeing, and we can start constructing an identity that is heart-centered and not ego-centered. And when we do this internal work, we become expansive. Our energy literally shifts. People come to perceive us differently because we are no longer operating from the same fears and limitations. We have found our version of empowerment and expression calling into our lives those experiences, people, and things that are aligned with these parts of ourselves that have come to the surface. And from this place we discover in ourselves during our time being single, everything else flows. So it's not just the relationship. I mean everything. Friendships, 
fun, creative endeavors, opportunities to show up more authentically, community. These things come into your life and they come in due to the energy that you now hold yourself with. And to explain this a little bit further, I wanted to share a more concrete experience and this is something that happened for me. When I committed to being alone for a while and and not seeing anyone, I wasn't dating anyone, I wasn't thinking about dating someone or, or about somebody coming into my life romantically. I was just committed to first facing a lot of the darkness that I started noticing inside of me from acknowledging repressed memories of trauma and childhood. And then, you know, little things started to trickle in, like feelings of insecurity about my appearance, fear of speaking up about things that I believed in, and the confidence that I felt in my career. These things began to be kind of branches that came from this core experience of of trauma that stemmed in chi- that stemmed from my dad's actions in childhood. So as I began to address these branches, you know, this happened through a course of of a couple of years because healing does not occur in a vacuum. It it happens really with a lot of pitfalls and and amazing highlights that make you feel like you're kind of on top of the world because you start noticing parts of yourself that you kind of shut shut off from the world and shut off from yourself that are coming to the surface to be acknowledged and loved and championed by you because you're the only one that's there now. You know, your parents are not really there to deem what's acceptable and what's not. Now you're the one that's kind of taking the wheel of your life and where it's going to go in the next couple of years. So you have the choice of saying, I want to show up with these parts of myself. And I started doing a lot of that work That's kind of what I mean by internal work. And when I did, I noticed that my external reality began to shift. You know, I was someone that used to get approached by a lot of um, people, a lot of men, you know, in, in terms of a romantic connection. I was approached by men that very much mimicked the same wounds that I was carrying within. You know, while I was someone that was very avoidant in relationships. I was approached by men that were more like codependent and the dynamic usually was that I would pull a lot from the connection when I started feeling kind of suffocated and afraid of of showing vulnerability and the man in the connection would be trying to kind of always be, you know, texting, always be kind of love bombing Um, in that situation and there was always that push-pull dynamic and those were the kind of people that I called into my life when I was in this energy of of not being authentic with my expression and just choosing to shut out everything that I thought would be unacceptable to someone or would have me be abandoned in a connection things that of course I was carrying from childhood so those were the people that were gravitating towards me And when I started doing this internal work, I noticed that that kind of pool of individuals really much disappeared from my life. I 
had connections in the past that I'd walked away from that I was finally able to make peace with and make peace with my reactions within the connection and the reactions of the other person. And so I started noticing that I was seeing a lot more people come into my life that mirrored this growth that was happening within me. And that happened in, in terms of relationships, in terms of everything else. My friendships became much more aligned with this, you know, new set of boundaries that I started forming for myself to take care of me. And also my career became much more heart-centered, like I mentioned, not ego-driven um, because I had made it clear within me what were my values, what were my aspirations for the future. And one of my values, just to share it really quick to make this concrete, was having a career that was going to be of service to others. Um, and, you know, economics obviously making an income was important for me because we need to make an income. We live in a society that requires that. But for me, being of service was very much up there in the list of things that I valued. And that transferred into the career that I ended up calling into my life. And just, yeah, everything else, opportunities that were showing up, the opportunity to do this podcast, to be interviewed in other podcasts, came into my life from the space of, of finally looking within and acknowledging patterns that were being a disservice to me instead of helping me in any way. Okay, moving on. That was kind of my concrete example for what I just shared. Oh, and another thing that I forgot to mention, I quite literally had people from my past and also people now that I met that were, you know, in this new career that I ventured into that commented on a change in my energy, the way they perceived me. And many were using words like, you seem so much more peaceful now. You seem kind of like you can't, like I can't mess with you. Like you're very set on your way of, of viewing things. And not in a bad way of, you know, I can't be open-minded, but very much so in that I finally had confidence in what I believed in. And that was something that I lacked all of my life. And when you don't know what you want or what you have faith in, especially in terms of love, you kind of just get little, like you get a taste of everything when you don't have this assurance of what you believe in. It's kind of like when you go to a store and you have your pick of ice cream before you, different ice cream flavors. And you go in and you are like, I don't care whatever I get, I get, you know? Like, I'm not really craving anything. I'm not desiring any of these flavors. You know, if I get strawberry or if I get the coconut flavor, I wouldn't care. You're kind of just going to get a pick of everything until you have some certainty of, of what it is that you desire out of these different dimensions in your life. And you don't have to be completely sure because everything is always morphing, but from a more established identity, which is something that I lacked, that I really, really worked to establish, I've been able to narrow down more of the things that matter to me. 
like being of service in a career, having a relationship that is that is vulnerable, that is emotionally intimate. And that has narrowed down a lot of things that could just be thrown my way and that I would not really reap any benefits from. So moving on. When you discover self-trust in a period of being single, and self-trust is what I mentioned at the start of this episode that I would go over. So self-trust is basically something that you build by choosing yourself. So you choose to grow you, to nurture you, and to protect you. When you do these things, your perception of love naturally changes. So the way you view connection with someone else actually becomes lighter. So there suddenly isn't the same kind of frantic um, approach to securing commitment with someone or to preventing abandonment or to really preventing their, them deceiving you or cheating um, on you with someone else. And this is not to say that you will not feel the emotions that are associated with these things because we're human beings and we're bound to feel them. But you will be more equipped to handle them because you have already finished a round of, of handling these emotions when they were associated with trauma and life experience that you gave yourself the time to address before it even included a future partner. So when you have self-trust, you have most likely arrived here after things actually fell apart once in your life and you held yourself accountable for taking the steps to put yourself back together. For you, not for anyone else. You've discovered your resiliency, your inner fire, and your adaptability and love for yourself. Because through these things, you discover that all along you were loving you. So then you start realizing that these qualities will always be with you. The resiliency, the inner fire, the adaptability. No matter what container you become a part of as time passes, these will be with you. And having that kind of internal compass and security makes loving actually feel like loving the other person for who they are and not for who you want them to be in order to avoid suffering because you have already experienced suffering and you know that in order to get out of that place of feeling like a victim feeling like all is happening to you and you're afraid of what's going to occur next rather than being in that spot you have discovered a way of pulling yourself out of that and finding empowerment through the little things you do to keep yourself protected every day and nurtured. Even if it's just your perception of those things, even if for an outsider, you still seem like you are going through a very difficult time. Only you know the steps that you're taking within your life's container to be able to take care of you, to make you feel like things are going to be okay. So you know what you're doing for yourself. No one else has to comprehend. It's just the relationship between you and you. And when you have that, when you've established that, that carries on to a relationship. So singlehood 
is just to to finish us off today. This is going to be one of the most important points. And that is that singlehood is a time for deciding to respect one's future partner before you love them. So what do I mean by this? Actually, my mom, she used to tell me growing up that what I should strive for in a partner was not that they madly loved me, because she said that that fizzled out with time, but that they respected me. And naturally, I came to view respect as a kind of opposite end to love, because all around me I saw people being madly in love, and and then the kind of the mentioning of respect began to fall off the radar for me, because everywhere that I looked in movies and shows, in books, being madly in love was always the biggest exponent of affection. So it wasn't actually until I chose to be single for a few years that I realized what was being produced inside of me by this intentional dedication to my growth. And what was being produced was a respect for myself. The same respect that I would one day have and prioritize feeling when I met my life partner. So respecting oneself is much more silent than loving yourself. It is the feeling that provokes every little thing that you start doing to take better care of of you. Setting a boundary, prioritizing something you love doing, saying no to casual encounters, pursuing your dream career. These are all little things that you do to start taking better care of yourself. And eventually, these little acts, they add up to an overwhelming epiphany that all along you were loving yourself fiercely. And the same goes with romantic love. The respect of that special someone for you looks like doing little things that honor the value that they see in you and that they uphold. So they respect that boundary that you set. They support you in difficult times. They plan thoughtful encounters. They say no to the things that would betray you. And eventually, these acts add up to an overwhelming realization that all along, they were loving you fiercely. Because disrespecting any of the things that took away from your splendor as a person would have been the opposite of love. And now imagine this, and really imagine it, and think about it. How can someone find it in them to uphold this level of respect for another's truest self if they cannot even respect their own self? And by this I mean that they're constantly breaking commitments that they've made to themselves. They're saying yes when they should have said no. They have loose boundaries. They get lost in vices instead of allowing themselves to feel their emotions or to get help. A time of being single is a time of finding trust and finding respect for yourself. Because these qualities will inevitably go toward the way that you hold space for the love that you desire coming into your life one day. Singlehood is a period for cultivating these for putting them at the forefront if your intention is to really meet someone where they're at and not where you want them to be at. 
And to conclude, love is not meant to be hard. It's not meant to be a game or a strategy. It's not meant to be short-lived. It's not meant to be what you grew up seeing. I'm going to share, and this is very vulnerable for me, but I think that someone's going to be listening and they're going to be thinking as I read this, this is actually what I think love should be at the core of, of who I am. And like all my life, I've, I've had little hints of believing that this is what love really is between two people, what I'm going to share. But obviously I've had messaging coming in from childhood, coming in from connections that I've engaged in, from the media, from society, and all of this messaging surrounding what love should be between two people has taken me further and further away from what at my core I believe love should be between two individuals. And this is my view of love. Obviously, love can be many dimensions of this, and it can serve many purposes that are different from the one I'm going to share. But to me, when I really think about it, and when I really reflect, this is what love feels that is right for me. And I hold on to that belief. Because in a world where there are so many people, just thousands and thousands of people, it only makes sense that someone else is going to believe in the same things that I believe in. And I'm going to go ahead and share it. So love for me, after doing a lot of thinking, for me love <clears throat> is a union of hearts that have decided to not shy away from viewing themselves as a whole. And when they decide to look inward, they found that there was so much complexity in there that it would be a shame not to share it with another person in the world because they realized that no one is perfect, but we are all looking to share our dark and light with someone that would dare hold both and not look away because they have met their own combination of dark and light and they have tended to it for a season, perhaps a season of singleness, and they have watched it bloom into an expression that they did not know was possible. And so they imagined how magical it would be to watch this already valuable bloom meet that of another person that had done the same. And perhaps together, they could create something special for the world to witness that would inspire change at a bigger level. And that's my ideal view of love. But deep down, I know it's the realest thing I've imagined in my life in my life in a while. Because I feel the emotion of hope written all over this. And two of the of the forces that I really believe in that seep into every part of our lives are that of unconditional love and hope. And while they might sound like these optimistic forces, it is really in the darkest of trials that these forces become the only stable ground. Especially when you notice, and, and I'm sure that my listeners can relate, and, and they've lived very unstable life situations. When everything is up in the air, 
and you don't know if tomorrow is assured. These forces of unconditional love and hope are like a guiding light. I really believe in that. So, just to sum everything up, if you are in a period of singlehood, you are in a very sacred period that I hope this episode would have given you the opportunity to see its sacredness through it being an opportunity for you to polish this view that you have of love and, and to purify it of everything that is not affection. Everything that you might have believed was the only reality that you could conceive of, but that there's actually multiple and some beautiful and magical conceptions of, of love between two people that you can hold deep inside of you. Even if, and let me make this clear, I didn't make this clear in the episode, but even if everything else around you points to a different image of what love can be between two individuals, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you feel a heart resonance with your perception of what love could be. Because like I said, there are so many people in this world that I can assure you that somebody else upholds the same belief that you do. So it would be a shame if you let go of that belief to abide by what is more common, what has more visibility, when your thoughts, your feelings, your dreams have an equal value. And don't base that value off of of whether it's visible or whether it's readily attainable in today's world, in today's society, in the spaces that you're inhabiting. Because when you come to a conclusion like the one that I came to at the end of this episode of what love means to me, of what love can look like, and it feels like it resonates with every fiber of your being, there's value there that is worthy of holding on to. So thank you for listening. I am so excited to talk to you in the next episode. And I hope that wherever you are, you have a good morning, afternoon, evening, night. I'm sending you all of my love. Thank you. Bye. There is no right time to begin working on the parts of ourselves we may have neglected for the majority of our lives. If you're here, it is for a reason. I am so proud of you for asking the tough questions and delving into what comes of these. May you find the deepest healing and transformation on this path. Thank you.